following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Who would rather be here than the best hospital in Tampa, St. Pete area? Richard, how about you? Yeah, uh, after spending a couple of hours in them uh, myself, uh, isn't it good to be here today in the house of the Lord? Uh, first, I want to, you know, uh, uh, we need to pray for Pastor Colin this morning. He is just about drained. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on with his mom. He's got stuff going on with Sheba. He's a pastor. He's got stuff going on here at church, plus the running of the church. You know, it, someone's got to be in charge of these buildings and stuff. So he's got all these things. Can I encourage you this morning? And I've heard this question before, and I'm a pastor. I understand it. We have an elder. That would be me. We have deacons. That would be Jerry, John Cotero, and who else? That's the three guys. Before you call the pastor, reach out to us. Now, you can call the pastor, and I know I had one lady say, well, I know you got deacons, preacher, but I pay your salary, so I'm going to talk to you. Don't do that. Give the guy a break, okay? If you need my phone number, need Jerry's, you need John's, we're on the website, or come up and see me. I'll, I'll give you everybody's. I'll give you my email. I'll give you my address. Come see me. Okay? But... Asking you, and just not today, but during the course of the year. That's why we have leadership teams. Because he can't do it all by himself. That's why Jesus had his apostles to do some of the heavy lifting for him. You know, I, and I'm glad yesterday the pastor called me and he said, uh, well, he called me Friday and said, three o'clock in the afternoon, Fred, I don't think I can preach Sunday. Can you do it? Wow. Usually takes me a couple of weeks to prepare a message, so bear with me for what's going on today. It's Holy Spirit driven. Uh, and then he called me yesterday. He said, "Well, I think I'm going to be in church." Last night he called me. He said, "I think I'm going to just come and visit." And I said, "You know, I didn't go to doctor school, but I, you know, I do have a doctorate. So why don't you just stay home?" I don't know. I'll be there. Okay. Text me this morning. I'm going to follow the medical advice of Doctor Fred. I'm going to stay home. So I, I, my phone line's open there, too. If you want to know what to stay home or come, I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> so uh, I'm very honored this morning to take the pulpit. And uh, if you're listening or, or reading this stuff online this morning, I thank you. Again, I thank our overseas. Can you all hear me all right? Because uh, I haven't used this for a long time. I want to thank our overseas listeners who listen to this online, but also – uh, in my case, I print, I give Steve, Steve here, I send Steve the verbatim copy of what I'm going to preach on. Now, the Holy Spirit kind of makes me drift every now and then, so you won't see that stuff in there. But uh, if you want to follow on when you go home, or if you're at home and you, you can't make it, when I preach, it's always there, and you can go line by line and see. Uh, this morning... When pastor asked me to do it, I immediately, I'm going into commentaries and all this stuff. And then yesterday afternoon, I said, oh, my Lord, 
you got about 45 minutes, but we have communion and we have lunch. And I'm a great believer in time management because I respect your time because it's valuable. So I will truncate a lot of the verses and just say, here's the address, go find them yourself. Um, if you're a first-time visitor here this morning, listen, we have these QR codes because if you computer, if you're savvy with that stuff, or we can go old school and fill out a connection card. Hey, listen, we're not going to call you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We just want to have a record that you're here. And if you have a prayer request, we will definitely pray for you. If you need us to reach out to you, we'll do. But don't feel that we're going to put you on a, on a, on a database and start hassling you. We don't do that here. Um, let's go to the Lord this morning and pray. It's an important time. This is the, the Christmas season. Father Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. As we come here and we praise and worship you, we're also thankful for you. That you send Christ to our world as a baby, as much God then as he is today the Creator. Lord, we just thank you for the blessings that you've given us. This morning, Father, I lift up our affirmed. We have Miss Betty and Miss Beverly and Miss Esther and, and many others, and I don't mean to be rude by not remembering all the names, but you know their names, Lord. <clears throat> you know the names of those that are hurting in our church right now that Sometimes it just our pride keeps us from reaching out to people. And this morning, I just ask that uh, you be with those that need you the most, the broken, the lost. Father, I just ask that the Holy Spirit come into this place this morning and just take all the crud out of our out of our lives, out of our ears. Lord, let us stop for a while, stop worrying about Christmas, about buying the, the toys, who's coming over, what am I going to cook, all that stuff. And let us just focus on this short period of time, on your word, and your magnificence. And we thank you, and we bless you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, by the way, did I tell you all I love you this morning? I love you. Thank you. And, I, and I, it's going to happen. I think when I was in the hospital for that time, I, I think they screwed up and they gave me doses of estrogen because I have <laughs> never cried. I, my eyes keep leaking, but I, I just, I, I just want to thank you. For, and I'm so humbled by all the prayer warriors that prayed for me while I was going through these procedures and and your phone calls and your texts, and just, I, I covet it so much. And I, I thank you. You guys are awesome. Okay, so let's wipe away some tears. I want to talk about, we're going to talk about an important birth this morning, but I want to just, I found this, and I thought it was kind of interesting to start off this morning. There were four expectant fathers in a Minneapolis hospital waiting room, and their wives were in labor, and First nurse comes out. Nurse comes out and says, "Congratulations, son, uh, hus- uh, sir, you're now the father of twins." And the father says, "What a coincidence! I work for the Minnesota Twins baseball team." 
So the nurse returns a little bit later, goes to the second guy and says, sir, you're the father of triplets. He says, wow, that's an incredible coincidence. He says, I work for 3M, and my buddy down the street will never let me live this one down. About an hour later, the two men are passing out cigars. The nurse captain backs into the third guy, the last guy there, and announces, or next to the last guy, announces that his wife had just given birth to quadruplets. And he was stunned. He said, don't tell me. He says, you won't believe it, but I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. So hearing this, the fourth guy faints, just faints out. So the nurse runs to his side, and he comes to, and he's finally able to speak, and he says, I should have never taken the job with 7-Eleven. <laughs> Thank you. Don't forget to tip your waiters. Two shows on Saturday. You know, this morning, the week before Christmas, many pastors preach and teach on the birth of Christ. They talk about the journey to Bethlehem, the shepherds, the room in the inn, the baby born in a manger, the wise men. Well, I've always been a little bit of a nonconformist, and I'm going to go on a different route. And this morning our text is going to be on 1 John um, verses 1 to 14. Uh, you, you can find that, 1 John 1 to 14. And, and the title of my message this morning is Jesus is the Word of Life and Light. So, if you would, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me put this down for a second. And I'm not going to ask you to stand, just because I can. But if you would, if you on the screen to be up there, if we read 1 John 1 to, 4, uh, 1, 1 to 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness was not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, but he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, Full of grace and truth. That's the word of the Lord. The pastor had recommended that I speak more about the correlation between uh, Genesis 1 and John 1. So I will for a little bit. 
if you look at John 1, there's such a strong correlation between Genesis 1. The word was in the beginning. Anybody know what the first four words of the Bible are? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God. In 1 John, it says, in the beginning was the word. Who's the word? Jesus, God, right? Correlation? Coincidence? Coincidence, I think not. John was purposely referencing Genesis to show the eternal nature of the word. You've got to remember, John's writing the New Testament at this time. All they have is the Old Testament, so he was trying to explain to them, hey, this is the guy we're talking about here, way back here in the Torah, the first four words. And the word was with God. And I believe that shows there's some distinctions with God. If I was to say, hey, there's Ray and Mary, um, how many people would that be? Two people, right? The word was with God. God is three in one, the triune Godhead. The word was God. And what's that teach us? That the word parentheses, Jesus, is actually God. And Jesus doesn't say that there's two gods, but still one God, as the rest of the Bible states. The word is he, and it means that the word is a person, or a who. You realize that? The word is a person, a spiritual being in, in most sense. Now, who do you think John is referring to when he's talking about the word again? Jesus, right? Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this this morning, but I encourage you to go home today. It will take you 10 minutes most. Read the Old Testament, Genesis 1, and then read the New Testament, John 1, and see the completion of the prophecies that are announced in Genesis that are fulfilled in the New Testament. The New Testament didn't come to destroy the Old Testament. It came to fulfill it. I forget the number. I think there's 363. Correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong. But prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament, specifically relating to Jesus. So, John... He's a Jewish evangelist, and he's writing in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, clearly, in every way, this verse describes Jesus Christ's eternality. I can't believe I use that word. His deity, or else his external, eternal existence that's in relationship with his Father. He was in the beginning with God. The Word, this Jesus, coexists with the Father, God. Verse 3 says, All things came into being through him, as apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Do you realize, and we have, where's Jesus? Other son, okay. Some, that's a wise man, okay. What a pretty baby. Everyone say, ooh, ah. Ah. 
Do you realize this is the creator God? This baby, and he knew it? Do you realize this is the giver of life? This is as much God as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. He is the creator, God. We often don't think about that. We think God the Father is the creator. Well, if we believe in the triune Godhead, they're all one being. There you go. Pretty. Cuddly. He's always beautiful. You know, I was talking and get ready this morning. You know, when I think of Jesus Christ, you know, we always see this beautiful guy, long flowing hair, the beard, the nice robe. I think of Jesus Christ built like Schwarzenegger. You know, he's a carpenter. They didn't have power tools back then, right? He's he's having to use mallets and doing all this stuff. So he's got Schwarzenegger's body, and he's got Yasser Arafat's face. He was a Jew, right? <laughs> but that's just me, and I digress, which I have a tendency to do. I'm sorry about that. So Jesus, that little baby, is the eternal creator of all things. He is the creator over all created. Talks further in verse 4 that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now in the Hebrew, it reads like this, and I'm not going to read the Hebrew, but I'll translate it for you. It says, in him life was, and the life was the light of men. In him life was. In him was life. He is the light of the world. And I think it's mind-boggling, at least for me, to read the creation story, Genesis 1, and then you read 1 John. They're mirror bookends. So like I said, please, this morning, take some time to read them both. And the statement, again, supports the fact, the word that Jesus is a deity. He's God. He's not just some guy. He's God. The construction of the sentence tells us in in him life was. Now, some of you may remember, and I'm going to warn you now, that I was a high school English teacher in the past. So class is in session. That verb intense used here, and I know you're going to write this down, is the imperfect active indicative tense. The imperfect active indicative tense. What's that mean, teacher? It denotes continuous action in the past, and so the pre-existent word is also a self-existent life. What was then is now today. John 5.26 says, For as the Father has life in him, himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in him. You know, Jesus existed in the past before he became a baby on earth. He did. Why? God is what? Eternal. God is everlasting. Had no beginning, 
has no end. It also talks about before him having life in himself, in him life continually existed. In him life was, and the life was the light of men. And John continues to build upon this truth throughout the gospel. Using the word in in the Hebrew, it's called zoe. Zoe is used 47 times to talk about life. The word light, phos, is used 23 times. So anybody asks you like a trivia question, this is a good one for you. This verse reinforces what John already stated in the first three verses of his gospel. It begins more, much more than just a physical existence. The word zoe is life, and it's life to the fullest sense. The word, the logos, is the very life of the world. In the same way that all things came to being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being, do you agree, disagree? There is no life in the universe apart from him? You agree? It's not, it's good. Life does not exist in its own right. In the same way that created matter could not exist on its own, when we create stuff, it points to the power greater than itself, the creator. You know, when you watch a leaf kind of like dance down the street on its own, You know, it needs power behind it. But in the same way, the wind does not exist on its own. There's a power greater than itself that creates that. The forces of nature. Who creates the forces of nature? God. The only time we, you know, it's funny, we call them natural disasters. They're really not natural. (laughs) They're supernatural. So life does not exist by its own will, but there must be a power greater to give life, a life giver. And Jesus is the giver of all life. Jesus is the life giver. You know, there's no one other who creates life. The word is more than self-existence life to himself. Jesus, the word, shares his life by giving life. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it because the Holy Spirit keeps saying say it. You guys are going to have twins. Do you believe there's a divine spark that's going to bring that fetus to life? Already? Nothing you two guys, well, something you two guys did, but uh, (laughs) no kids in the room? Anyway, there's a defined spark there. That's life. That's God. Jesus is the giver of physical life. Jesus 
you know, if we looked at mountains, look at the, the Rockies. They go from Alaska all the way down to Peru, right? You know, that's physical. Did they create themselves? Everything we see was created by the Word because He spoke it into existence. I was watching a thing on TV the other day about the the Grand Canyon. And they've now gone down, and apparently there's like six million years of layers under all these, what they say, millions of years of layers that's missing. And they can't figure it out. And I'm like, big deal. It's a big hole in the ground, and God made it. That six million years, I'll figure it out when I get to heaven. It's not one of the top questions I'm going to ask them. Top question is why gnats, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rocky Mountains are kind of down low and all that stuff. You see, when God works in human history, He uses the very common and the very ordinary so that the glory is always in His name and not ours. You know, Jerry, Judy, Victoria, Cindy, Julie, Lanigani, yes, they were at all these, and we're giving out gift certificates. We gave out 100 gift certificates, $20 a piece. Did we do that for our glory? We would always say, God bless you, because God has blessed us. It's not what we did. We took some time. We took an hour and 15 minutes out of our busy lives and gave out cards and were willing to pray with people and just show them that without any hooks, you can still be blessed. Only for the glory of God. Not for what a good boy am I. I didn't get a t-shirt for that. I didn't get a cool Samaritan's hat purse, uh, Samaritan purse hat. It was all for the glory of God. You know, when God works in human history, like I said, he uses the very common and the very ordinary. You know, think about this. When man was made, we weren't made out of anything extremely valuable or extraordinary strong metals. We weren't made out of cobalt or titanium or gold or silver. We were composed of dust. We're dirt people. We're dirt people. Man came to life when God, as stated in Genesis 2-7, it says, Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So what is God's breath? I believe it's his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes forth out of his mouth. The Hebrew word is called rosh. And rosh is kind of a breathy sound. In Hebrew, rosh is also associated with spoken word. God first spoke all he created in existence through his word. Jesus. When God spoke forth life into man, John identifies the Lord Jesus Christ as the word of life, and God does it in such a way that the spirit of life, who is his Holy Spirit, passes into man, 
causes him to breathe, and share the attributes of God. Now, I don't want you to think I'm a little God kind of guy. There's a theory that we're all little gods. I'm not a little God. I have some of the attributes of God, but I'm not God. Just wanted to get that out there. But these attributes, which are unique only to man, such as reason, I love my cats, but they are stupid. God breathed life, I believe, into cats, all animals. Created them. Didn't create them dead, made them alive. But he did not give my cats wisdom. Just didn't do it. You got a dog, you might think he's smart. Mm, he ain't smart. They don't have the attributes that we have. But we can know that we are beings created by God for God's glory. And we see the illustration of the role of the triune Godhead in creation. Our physical life comes the word through the breath of life, or the breath of God. By way of the, you know, that breath of God, it's the, by the way of the Holy Spirit, who is not only the beginning of knowing Christ as a living, as the life giver, but that Jesus is also the giver of spiritual life. Jesus, the word, is also the very source and giver of spiritual life we receive when we believe in him. You know, this Christmas, we tend to appreciate the importance of the gift of spiritual life from Christ. A lot of us get very spiritual at Christmas time. We sing the little drummer boy and Mary, did you know? And away in the manger and we kind of get all choked up and start feeling spiritual and I've got to go to church and I'm going to go to the candlelight service because that's really moving. We have to realize, though, that apart I missed my page here. We have to realize that apart from the life that is available only through Jesus, we are spiritually dead. We can be alive and breathing and be spiritually dead. How do we become spiritually alive? We accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And at Christmas, pardon my fractured language, but ain't that great. I say this often. When you go to your Christmas tree this Christmas, or I'll share this story, it's even better. Out of the blue, last Wednesday, was it Wednesday? Wednesday. I decided that my beautiful wife, who's been such a great nurse to me, deserved the Christmas present of all. I was going to rock it. So I went out and bought her a car. Now, what person in their right mind would say, ah, I don't want it. Don't want it. Don't, just don't give it to me. So you got this big present under your tree, and you say, yeah, I don't think so. Anybody going to do that today? Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. 
Um, because we're not going to do that. But don't we do that when we get the greatest present of all the greatest gift? Eternal life in heaven. And many reject it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you appreciate the importance of the gift of spiritual life from Christ? We have to realize that apart from the life that's available only through Jesus, we are spiritually dead. We're not merely in a state of spiritual corruption. We are totally without life. We are dead. We are, you know, I used to watch that show, was Walking Dead. We're zombies, dudes. If you don't know Christ, that's you. So don't let someone shoot you in the head. <laughs> you might have physical life, but you are still spiritually dead. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 7, I'm not going to read them all, but it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And all those verses will be on the website. In verse 5, though, it says, to be made alive. And that comes from that word again, Zoe, to live, to breathe, to be among the living. It's the opposite of being lifelessness, lifeless and dead. God breathes his spirit into people who are dead in their sins and brings them to life. We can't do it on our own, folks. If you look at John uh, 5.26, just as the Father raises from the dead and gives him life, even so the Son also gives life to those he wishes. God's eternal preexistence allows him to offer the life to all. The father of John 5 is the God of John 1. The son of John 5 is the word of John 1. And Jesus and the father are one if you look at John 10.10. They are unified not merely by will or by power, but they exist as a unity of essence. You know, that baby we think about in the manger, we celebrate with majesty. Look at him with his majesty, with his power, with his love, with his light, with his justice. The triune Godhead is manifested in that crash. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world? You know, I'm gonna, I was gonna, you know we, there are many examples in the Bible about... Jesus raising people from the dead. In Mark 5, it talks about Jerry, the daughter of Jairus who is dead. And he enters the room and the child has died and he says, get up. In Luke 5, he talks about a funeral procession near the city of Nain. And he raises the dead again. And then he brings new life to Lazarus as well as others just by what? Speaking. He speaks. Doc, can you speak anybody well, healthy? No. 
You want to, don't you, at times? Only Jesus, no matter how skilled you are as a surgeon. Dr. Brock just can't say, Fred, be healed. If he could, I wouldn't have a scar from here to here. But God can heal us. God can heal us. We are absolutely dead in our sins apart from the life-giving spirit and words of Jesus. Everyone ever born is still dead spiritually and still needs divine life from the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we were dead, Jesus, God sent Jesus into the world to give life to all who would believe. Jesus breathes new life into anyone who believes. Listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir for most of you, but I don't know where your hearts are. I don't know where you stand. But hear these words. These are true. You're not here by accident on this planet. You're not here in this church this morning by accident. The Lord knew we would be here as a fellowship this morning. And I know, based on the authority of this book, that Jesus breathes new life into anyone who would believe. Remember what Jesus did shortly after raising Lazarus from the dead? The word sent from the Father was sent to the cross. Remember, it was pretty close after that. To bear our death penalty for our sins and become sin for us. So that Jesus might also be the giver of eternal life to those who would believe in him as Savior and Lord. And if you believe that, Jesus is the giver of eternal life. Jesus is able to supply us completely and eternally so that we would have nothing else that we would desire. Physical life will pass. We've lost loved ones this year. We've had There are people in the hospitals right now. Someone just passed. Physical life will pass. This body will corrupt, turn to dust. But when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks spiritual life into a human heart, at that moment of belief in Jesus as Savior, the Lord, he brings life that will last ever, forever, and he gives eternal life, life that is the life of God. He gives eternal life. It's a life that never can be lost. Listen, I'm a Southern Baptist by training. Am I there again? There you go. Not to knock the Methodists, but I had a great Methodist friend of mine in the panhandle. If there's a Baptist church in this corner, on the next corner is a Methodist church. Ever see, have a tendency to notice that? So we were having breakfast one time, and I felt a little bit feisty. And John said, well, you Baptists, you believe that this once saved, that's a pretty cheap saving. And I said, well, you know, it wasn't cheap for Jesus to give his life for us. There's a big cost there. But I do believe once saved, I always say this, because Scripture says once in my hand, the Father will never, you can't be pulled out. I said, John, 
you believe that you can lose your salvation? Yeah, I do. I said, well, how do you know you lost it? Well, you know, I'm not doing things I should. I said, more importantly, how do you know when you get it back? He really didn't have a good answer for that one. I guess that's why he stopped having lunch with me. I don't know. <laughs> but, but anyway. <laughs> it's a life that can't be lost. Not in a hundred years, a thousand years, or a million years. And John wrote in First John uh, 5, 10 to 13, and I don't want to talk, read all that, but the truth has to be made that all the difference in the world, when you read those truths, it has to make all the difference. It has to make all the difference in the world that you have the life of his son in you. Paul made it clear in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Matthew 7.14, Jesus said, The gate is narrow and the way hard that leads to life. To those who find it are few. In John 6.68, Simon Peter asked Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? And Jesus answers, You have the word of eternal life. Jesus has the words of eternal life because the word was always and the world will always be word will always be the only life giver. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Only Jesus is the gate for the sheep. Only he is the way to the Father. He and no other living water. He is the only living water, the only bread of life. He alone is the life giver and the giver of eternal life. And he's the only good shepherd who will give his life for his sheep. No wonder the psalmist of Psalm 23 said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't God good? You used to say God is good, and people say all the time. God is good all the time. God is ever present. You know, I made the kids laugh, make, make you laugh. You know, I grew up Catholic, Roman Catholic, for many, 40 something years. And, you know, we had, I'm not knocking, I'm not Catholic bashing because I have a lot of family that's Catholic and I respect them. But they used to tell us that we have to pray to saints. You pray to Mary or pray to St. Peter or pray to Joseph or whatever. They were our intercessors, our intermediaries. And uh, I thought about that when Cindy started taking me to church, and I heard that, hey, you know, you could talk to God direct. You didn't need a middle, middle guy. You know, it's not like you pick up the telephone and say, 1-800-GOD, hey, you've reached God right now, but he's kind of busy, so just at the beep, leave a message. God doesn't do that. He's always available all the time. He is ever present 
eternal. He is the word. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is the light. Now, if you don't know the Lord this morning, you'll have an opportunity to make that decision. Remember I talked about the gift? There's a great gift waiting for you if you don't know the Lord. So let's pray. Father Lord, you came to this earth to be my Savior. You died on that cross to take my sin debt. And Father, I admit, I'm a sinner. As Peter said, I'm the greatest sinner of all. Well, Paul said, I'm the greatest sinner of sinners. Father, I believe your son Jesus is my Savior. That he suffered on the cross and he died for me. And Father, I accept him as King of kings and Lord of lords and my Savior. And Father, I, I confess. I am sorry for my wrongdoings. I'm sorry for, for hurting you, for breaking your heart. And I ask for your forgiveness. Now, based on the authority of the word in this book, if you accepted that and said that prayer this morning, you are a born-again believer. And your space in heaven is eternal if you are sincere about it. And like I said, once you make that decision, no one can take that away from you. Satan will try. Satan will do all kinds of things that make you think different. But he won't. He won't be able to. Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time. If the music team would come up, appreciate that. And Father, I just thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. I thank you for the words. And I pray that I was able to do you justice. And it's in your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.